0: When you find that, stand with me, if you will. We'll read that. Paul's writing to a church at Corinth. And Paul's reminding this church, the Corinthians, the church of Corinth. said, Folks, look, you're not the way you used to be. Thanks, Lisa. Help. Thanks. What happened to my sign, Kevin? Oh, man. We get a sign from God, and I don't get a sign from Kevin. What is it? <laughs> oh, well, I really have a sign from God. <laughs> That awesome! What God! What obedient people can do when they obey God, and God blesses. What a, What I mean, it's just, I, I got joy bumps. I don't know about the rest of you, and, and I knew it was coming, and still got joy bumps. So it's exciting that that God's going to do that, and and does that for us. And Paul, as I was saying, wrote to uh, the Corinthian church. He said, "Guys, listen." You're not like you used to be. You may not be where you want to be spiritually or your relationship with God, but you're not what you used to be. He said, let me remind you in verse 17. Therefore, if any man or when any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. we got to forget the old things, the old mistakes, the old regrets, the old failures. We forget they passed away. Everything's come new. We got a new, fresh start. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for what we've experienced this morning. I ask you to be with those that couldn't get out. And Lord, I thank you again that the elevator held and no one was hurt. And Lord, uh, I, we got folks that can figure out how to fix that, or we'll get somebody in to fix it. Thank you that we do have it, uh, Lord, that we can complain about it, and thank you for the new sign, Lord, and and uh, Lord, how that's going to bring attention to you not to us everything we do we want to give you the glory but Lord there's some folks out there today probably like me here today that, that just want to make some changes in your life where some things were different wish we hadn't done some things well they're all gone they've passed away we start fresh and anew with your grace and mercy and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen you may be seated I want to talk to you this morning about how to make a change that will last a lifetime. You know, a lot of times we go about making changes, and it's just like turning over a new leaf. Uh, We just, uh, we'll try this, we'll try that. And and next thing we know, we're back in our old ways, our old habits, the old things that we've done. For example, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever heard, or how often have you heard, maybe is a better thing, how often have you heard anyone say, I want to be a terrible parent? I want to learn how to be a terrible grandparent, terrible parent. I want to become a really bad spouse. I mean, maybe you heard that from your spouse, but how, how often have you heard somebody say that? Or, hey, you know, I like to just become a failure at what I'm attempting, what I'm trying. I don't want to succeed. I just want to fail. If you're like me, you probably haven't heard it at all. People just don't normally show us. There's that intrinsic inner desire that we're hardwired with when we're born because we're created by God, that God wants us to be like him. Uh, Maybe you're sitting out there and you know someone or you are someone that you want a real change in your life. You want it to be real this time. You don't want to just play games. You want to really a good change. You want a, a fresh start, a, a, a new beginning, a, a, another chance, if you will. You see, because we're hardwired that way for a change, that's why we work on having healthier bodies and better looking bodies and more successful relationships and accomplishment. That's our desire. So, the title, if you will, or the question before us is How to Make a Change That'll Last a Lifetime. Maybe you're like me. I've made some changes, and they didn't last very long. Kind of like New Year's resolutions, they don't last that long. Uh, I made them, I tried them for a few hours or a day or two, a week, but they just don't seem to last. But I'm going to tell you this morning, there's some good news. There's a way that you can think, a three-step process that we can make that will give us a life-changing effect on our lives. Not just a, a talk about it but be able to do it. And first of all, I want to take you to the book of Ezra, because I'm going to draw your attention out of the book of Ezra, one verse. But let me tell you something about Ezra to get to history. Uh, In Ezra, right at the beginning of the book, Persia is conquering Babylon. And Babylonians have taken over, had 70 years earlier to that, they had taken over Jerusalem, they conquered them, they bring back captivity, and one thing that the Persian and the Babylonians did is they, they gave some liberty to their captives. They let them marry, intermixed, because they wanted to do away and have that more purity of a relationship. They let them buy property. They let them settle there with there. But <coughs> Babylon was overthrown at, by Persia right at the, at the beginning of the book of Ezra. So that's where you pick it up, and God used this, this heathen king uh, 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 King Cyrus to begin to set some captives free to go back to Jerusalem and they were to go back to rebuild the temple and and because non dality people had grown up over there in those 70 years hearing people talk about what God used to do have you ever been there what God used to do you know what we heard this morning is what God is doing right and what he's doing through Gomley Church, what we heard Friday night is what God is doing through bearing precious seed, and, and what God is doing for us. So the group went back. Ezra w- later went back with a smaller group, but there' was about 42,000 went back, and they were to rebuild the temple, and they, they had heard of the, the Solomon's wonderful temple and how beautiful and how great it was, and how, it's kind of like us talking to our kids about the good old days. You remember the good old days? Well, let me tell you, someday this is going to be the good old days. Sad, but true. So they, they get back to Jerusalem and they find the temples in ruins. It is it totally tore up. It just not, it's not this glamorous, glorious uh, temple of God that they had heard about from the old timers and the, how God had done some things. And that's what we got to be careful with. Not what God used to do for you and I, but what God is doing and will do for for you and I. And so they get back. But now when Ezra gets back with a smaller group, he comes and he finds that the people now were so disappointed or discouraged they began to drift away from God. Instead of being in the process of, of rebuilding the temple. And, and in the Hebrew writings, actually the book of Ezra, Nehemiah is one book, goes together, the walls, the, the temple. But instead of finding that, uh, being in the process what he finds is people drifting away from God they're turning their backs on God and so Ezra began to write and to in his book to, uh, he was a Levite priest he was a prophet to encourage the people to return to God and remember their obligations and and uh, based on the promises God had for them and he through the leadership of Ezra God then uses him and shows his willingness to allow a nation, allow an individual that he has punished for disobedience, that's why they were in captivity, they disobeyed, got away from God, went in captivity, how they can have a brand new start, how they can have a fresh start, how they can have a new beginning. So let's go into the message, if you will. The Bible says we were created in God's image. That means we are triunity as he is. We are threesome, body, soul, and spirit. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that means we are hardwired for spiritual transformation. There's something in our lives. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're here too this morning, and all of this is not making too much sense to you. That's okay. Just hang in there. You picked a good time to come. But you see, what happened in my life, there was something missing. And I was hardwired, just like you are, that that only spot could fill. I tried to fill it with, With addictions, I tried to fill it with activities. I tried to fill it with uh, all kinds of of things, of education, of success, of work. And the only thing that could fill that empty spot was God himself. That's because we are hardwired for spiritual transformation. You can get a passion for many good things in the world, but you're never going to be satisfied until you're following what God wants you to follow in his book. And that certainly is witnessing and telling people about Christ, serving him, finding a ministry, get involved in it, serve him as best you can. But it seems that far too many of us, far too many Christians or uh, are, are, are those that claim to be Christians are stuck in the cycle of I got to do good, I got to try harder. But then what happens is I fail. Seems like every time I step out, I get two steps forward and four steps back. I try harder, I try to do the best I can, but I just struggle, just don't seem to make it. you ever been there? I have. It just seems like, man, it's good. and we get stuck in that cycle. We think that's what we got to do. Well, that's not the answer to making a life change that lasts. Consequently, we become frustrated to the point where we just want to throw in the towel of our faith and we just give up and say, hey, you know, we'll just do it the world's way. Why not? Uh, it's worked before, I'll try it now. The truth is, it hasn't worked that well, has it? You know, how's it working for you today? You doing it the world's way? It's not working that way. You've tried it the world's way? It doesn't work that way. You tried, you know, not forgiving somebody? It doesn't work well. You tried being angry with somebody? It doesn't work well. You tried getting even with somebody? That doesn't work well. It's got to be God's way. That's the only way. You see, in order to make a personal change in our life, It has to, there has to be some preparations that we need to make. Just like uh, for those activities, the Friday night activity, the Saturday activity, the Friday afternoon for the rug, there had to be preparation. Tables made, there was food that was prepared, uh, you know, ingredients in the food and sandwich. Everything was great Friday night and and Saturday, and the ladies had some, I never got anything. Normally she brings something home, not a gift, something for me to snack on, but, Since I got diabetes, I quit getting that kind of stuff, you know. But anyway, all those kinds of stuff. She had stuff in the icebox. I said, oh, that looks good. Can I have one of them? Oh, go ahead. I'll just get some more cookies. All right. So I didn't get one of them because she already had them planned, you know. But she did make some chocolate chip cookies, and she says, do you want one? I looked at her and said, is the Pope Catholic? (laughs) yeah, I want one of them cookies, you know. And they were still warm and moist, they was good. And I liked them. But there was preparations to make them things. You know, don't go out now, I see what you're gonna get out of this message already. <laughs> uh, but there's gotta be preparations to make that life change. And the book of Ezra gives us a three step process, if you will, to take that will prepare us for personal life change. You wanna know how to do it? You wanna take that journey? You want to know what the three steps are? Let me help you. You see, these aren't suggestions but proven steps that Ezra took to prepare his life for a personal change. Ezra had been in captivity for over seven, right at 70 years. He come back and he found out his nation, found out his city was in ruins and the, the nation, the people were drifting from God. So what can I do to make a change in my life that will change a nation? Because Ezra began to change uh, a, a nation. And, and, and men and women, God will use one person to make a change. If you do it his way. If you put it, his passions, his first. So you see the same steps that God used to empower and equip Ezra to be a leader, to lead people back to following God's way, are the same steps that will keep us following God and doing it God's way. You see, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. It's the only verse I'm going to use. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Doesn't sound real good unless you got a different version, maybe a little easier translation. So I'm going to break it down a little bit for you. You see, there are three steps to take for a personal life change. And all three of these steps relate to the word truth. It all has to do with truth. The first step that he took, Ezra, to make a personal life change, and the first step that you and I must take to make a life change is he was determined, we must be determined to learn the truth personally. Not learn the truth so I can argue with you about it. Not learn the truth so I can debate over it. Uh, Learn the truth so it will guide my life. It will make a change in my life. That's what Ezra did. He learned the truth. You see, Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Otherwise, Uh, the Word of God, if you will. He determined to learn the truth personally, and no one makes a change, and you've heard it before, I'll say it again, until they learn enough that they want to change. And he learned, and he wanted to change. You see, he did this by seeking God's truth from the only source that's absolute truth. That's God's Word, or in his case, the uh, the law of the Lord. Otherwise, the Word of God. This is God's law. God says, you you do this, this is what happens. You obey this, this is where it goes. God said, I'll bless you for your obedience. And partial uh, disobedience is disobedience. So the first step, he determined to learn the truth. The second step he took to make that personal life change, and you and I need to take to make that personal life change, is he decided to act or to live the truth. James says, be ye doers of the word, not, only, uh, not just hearers of the word. He said, so he decided uh, to act on the truth. He was determined to learn the truth. And then once he learned it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to act on it. He, uh, by supplying the truth that he learned to his life personally, he began to make the change there. He didn't make the change there in the nation of Israel yet. He had to make that change within himself. And you and I, to make a change in our homes, in our churches, in our, in our communities around here, our counties, our nation, we've got to make the change in us first, from the head down. It's got to be from the heart up. We've got to make that change. Now remember, no one makes a change until they either learn enough that they want to change, then they want to change, or they hurt enough to want to change. That's the only time people are going to change is one of three times. This is two. Learn enough they want to change. Or are they hurt enough, they say, i got to change. I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of doing like this. I want a different, uh, a fresh start in my life. The action that he took is stated simply but so powerfully said in in four short words, and to do it. In Ezra 7.10, and he said, and Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. There's a whole lot of difference in learning the truth, knowing the truth, and then just not acting on it. He made it a part of his life. He applied it to his life. He acted upon it and to do it. That's what's wrong. Many of us know it, but we're not doing it. And uh, James 4.17 says, He that knoweth to do right and doeth not is sin. As simple as that. So the third step is determined to learn the truth is our first step. The second step is he decided to live the truth. The third step that he took to make a personal life change, and again, it's the same three steps that you and I need to make. We need to learn the truth. We need to live the truth. And number three, then he declared or taught the truth to those whom he loved. We not only need to learn it, we <coughs> we not only need to live it, but we need to teach it or share it or to, to give it to those that we love. To teach Israel statues and judgment. He said, I'm going to tell you what the change is. I'm going to tell you what God wants in your life. Now, you read the book of Ezra, there's going to be some things you're going to say, Man, that was hard. God is hard at times. But God is also a loving God. I thank God I live in and we live in the dispensation of grace that God has for us. Otherwise, Ezra taught what God said to do in his word. And when that God would bless this faithfulness. And, and you've heard me say it for 17 years. This is truth. This is what we need to do. We need to learn it. We need to live it. And if you do it, God's going to bless you. God is blessing. That's why God's blessing God. I mean, not that we're, he's not blessing other churches in the area or, or he's not blessing other churches in the state or, uh, or in the United States. He's blessing the, the obedient people. God will bless obedience. There's no ifs and buts about it. We need to be obedient in our serving. We need to be obedient with our giving. We need to be obedient with our time spent in the Word. God will bless it. He does, and he brings some of those greatest blessings on us. We heard about it this morning. What an awesome, Who would have ever thought we would have got, what did we need, 18000 20000 for the sign? Who would ever thought? We did. But we made a goal big enough that if it didn't come true, if God didn't do something, it wasn't going to happen. And God bless the change that came into offering plate. God bless the dollars. God bless the hundreds. God's blessed it because obedient people. And God always blesses obedience as faithful faithfulness. Step one, he determined to learn the truth. Are you determined to learn the truth this morning? If you're determined to learn the truth, then you can go to step two and be and then get be decided to live it. Now, once I know it, I'm going to live it. I'm going to. Uh, What was Johnny Moore said this morning? Let your walk match your talk. And that's what we need to do. Uh, You know, if you're going to talk like a Christian, then you need to act like a Christian all the time, not just in the church house. And number three is he declared or taught the truth or shared the truth to those whom he loved. And that's what we need to do to teach. Uh, He taught in, uh, in Israel statues and judgments of what he taught. What an example for us to follow. Learn the truth, live the truth, teach the truth. You see, Ezra learned the change that God wanted to make in his life. And there is no doubt in my mind that each one of us here this morning know what God wants to change in our lives. I don't. I thank God I don't. In fact, I thank God often. I'm not God. He is. I don't know what God wants to change in your life, but I guarantee you know. God's telling you what needs to change, what, what you need to begin doing. And don't don't get your list out, the do list, because I guarantee you're going to fail on your to-do list. You get, I got to do this and this and this and this, and we ain't going to make it. And I know that's not good English, but we ain't going to make it. That's not do it that way. And not only that, Ezra lived that change by personal obedience. He said, "Okay, God, I, I tell you, how do you like some of the great verses in the Bible? You know, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that." Whosoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. Ain't that wonderful? I'll oh, give God a hand. Ain't that a great? Oh, I love it, boy! Isn't that it's, it's just a super super verse? Here's one. How about love your enemies? Ain't that great? That's a problem from God. You want to give God a hand for that? No. Oh. Now I have to think on it a minute, don't we? I'd rather I'd rather just beat beat my enemies up on mercy about the head and shoulders and do a tap dance all over the skull and then. Ask them if they want to get saved. But God said, love your enemies. God said, in everything, give thanks. That's a promise. That's a good verse. I don't like it. The good thing, Terry, doesn't say for everything. You know, that good. That's a good thing. You know, Edna says she likes that. I don't have to give thanks for you. I just have to give thanks in our marriage. Some of you will get this in a minute. So. But he lived that, that change. He made it personal obedience. You see, the guy. Well, our problem is we want to handpick certain things out. I like that. Oh, John 3:16 is wonderful. I'm going to take that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Uh, Philippians 4:13. Oh, that's that's great. My God shall supply all my needs. And that's uh, Philippians 4:19. Boy, that's great. I love that. You know, I can do. But then when it comes to them other things, you know, forgive one another. Oh, why? Because God says so. God tells us to. Ezra learned the change that God wanted to make in his life. And then Ezra also lived that change by personal obedience. That's what God wants for you and I as well. You see, then he taught the truth of the change. He said, here's the change. You want a life change? You want your life to be better than what it was yesterday? Right here is how it is. You see, in the life of Ezra, God shows his willingness to offer a fresh start to any individual or any nation that had been suffering from consequences of being disobedient. It's going to happen. We suffer the consequences of being disobedient to God. But through Ezra and through the nation of Israel, God shows what he'll do for any nation and any individual that's willing to be obedient to him, that's willing to follow him. Guess what? God is still in the business of offering a fresh start. Another chance. You want a fresh start today? You want another chance? God's in the business of giving it to us. All we have to do is go to Him and say, Lord, forgive me where I failed you. Forgive me, uh, Lord, and let me forget my to do list. I got to read the Bible. uh, So many chapters every day. I got to do this. I got to do that. That doesn't get us there. I got to give. I got to do all that. Mm -mm. That's all good. That's all great. But it's loving Him learn the truth live the truth and then we can teach the truth you see god will always use a person who is willing to take the steps to prepare his or her life for a personal change god's always going to do it and these are steps we can take three simple steps live uh, learn the truth live the truth and then share the truth it's simple any change only comes when we have when we learn enough that we want to change when we hurt heard enough that we have to change, we've been there, I have, maybe you have as well, and number three, when we receive enough resources and support that we're able to change. Only one of those three times is any change ever going to be made in anybody's life. When we learn enough that we want to change and we need to change. When we hurt heard enough that we have to change. And then when it don't have to be all together, just one of them will bring a change in your life. And then when we have uh, enough resource support that we're able to make the change. That's what a church does. It's a place of support, a place of research, uh, resources, a place of encouragement. You see, Ezra learned the truth. Ezra lived the truth. And Ezra then taught the truth. Maybe you're just in one or step 1 that's okay learn the truth but there comes a time when you got to get from step 1 to step 2 you got to start lear- living what you learn you got to start putting it in practice you got to start applying it and then there's a time when you go from step 1 step 2 now 3 you got to teach somebody you got somebody in your home you got a friend you got a grandchild you got a, a child you got a spouse you got a neighbor you need to teach the truth to the people You see, what are you doing with the truth you've already learned? You know what's so great is God will not give you any more truth than what you're living right now. you want to know why you got nothing else? Because you're not living what he's already taught you. You're not applying what he's already given to your life. He's not going to give you anything else. He's not going to give me anything else until we take it and we decide, all right, now I've learned it, now I'm going to live it, and now I'm going to teach somebody else. I'm going to share it with somebody that, hey, Here's some truth. Now, it's not my obligation for you to take the truth, but it's my obligation to teach you the truth. Now it's up to you. You've learned some truth today. You're going to live it, and then you're you going to teach it. Choice is up to you. Let's stand and we'll pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the experience today and what you've done for us in the past. And whoa, we don't even know what you're going to do for us in the future. But, Lord, there's folks like me and Edna and so many others that, Lord, they want a fresh start. They want another chance. They want a, a change in their life. They want it to be personal. Lord, let today be that day. Let them come to an old-fashioned altar and ask God to make that change in their life. Lord, let them come and say, say, I'm tired of living the way I'm living, Lord, and I want to learn the change you want to make in my life. I'm willing to accept it. Just show it to me. Whatever it is, won't you do it as the music's playing. Won't you come forward in Jesus' name? Amen. Lord, whatever you got. Need somebody to pray with you? Come up. We'll be glad to get somebody to pray with you. Whatever you need. Whatever the Lord spoke to your heart about. Learn the truth, live the truth, and then share that truth with somebody else. Oh, and then watch your life change forever. May you seated just a minute. I want to bring a couple of things to your attention this morning. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to ask you by a show of hands, but first of all, how many, uh, most of us have been praying for a revival, haven't we? We've been asking God for a revival. And I've had one or two or three say, when are we going to have a revival? When is it going to? We're having it. We're seeing people saved and baptized and a a sign that's paid for from a group of people our size, you know, that's unreal, what God is doing. It's because Gomi's obedient to take care of God's men and uh, the missionaries, those men and women that's overseas. That's what God blesses, and that's what God wants us to to be for and and responsible for. Do those. uh, Joy's going to have some letters again for you. Uh, coming up soon, that you can pray, read, pray about that missionary for a week, and then pass it on. Or there will be a table out there, or is, there is a table out there in the foyer that you can lay it down. it will be some names on it that you can get. And we need to keep doing And bearing precious seed. D.L., what did you remind me? What did we do? 81,000? 80, yeah, thank you. Wow, 81,000. We made her smoke, didn't we, Vicky? <laughs> Woo. Man. I know not want to resmelt cardboard boxes with <laughs> but how many we got total now? Four, five thousand, hundred thousand? Oh, five hundred Sixty-some hundred thousand. thousand? Five hundred and seventy-some thousand, God's Word. Yeah, that's a revival. That's what we're doing. And like John Greer said, we're the only church in the county that's doing it. He said it's unreal to have a church this small, a church in the middle of nowhere, reaching everywhere. You see what God is doing? So there is a revival. Don't let Satan make you blind that you're not seeing what God's doing and, and what wonderful thing is happening. Okay. The other thing I want to share with you is this morning, uh, Clarence Nash came over and talked to me yesterday, and he's making it public today. He's rededicating his life to the Lord. Now, I understand Clarence is what hey man, give him a hand. Yeah. And Clarence is saying, I want, I want my life to be a deeper walk with Jesus. It's not, uh, it's not something for him. It's something to have between him and Jesus, and, and that's what he's after. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the thing to do. He's saved, yes. Going to heaven, yes. But he said, you know, I just want to have that deeper relationship, that deeper time with Jesus. I thought, as I had already been my message preparing, I thought, Clarence, that's what Ezra was saying. Lord, tell me what I need to change. Let me learn it. Then I'll do it. I'll live it. I'll take action on it. And once I've done, lived it, and learned it, I'm going to teach somebody else how they can do it. I'm not going to cram it down anybody's throat. I'm just going to tell them this is what God says. This is what we need to do. Isn't that great? I mean, come by and give Clarence and Lorraine a hang, uh, a hang, a hug. Don't give them a hang. Give them a hug. Give them a hand and a hug. There you go. Need a hand and a hug. You need a hand and a hug, Miss Loring? (laughs) She needs a hug. I understand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. You know, you've experienced something today. Maybe, I don't know, Nancy, I might put out a one call for those that missed. No, I don't know that will. You just call everybody and say, Boy, you missed something. You should have been there. Goodbye. (laughs) This is a one call from your pastor. Just telling you, you, we had such a fighting time. Man, you never believe what would happen at church. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. If I do a one call, I'll do it right. But you guys can call, you know, teach somebody a truth. God is still in a fresh start, a new beginning. And, you know, call somebody that's not here. Look around, see who's not here, and call them. Say, you won't believe what God has done in our church. Maybe you believe it, but let me tell you anyway, you know. Then hang up and call him back, tell him again. <laughs> I mean, after all, we're old folks. We don't remember who we call, right, Richard? <laughs> that's what Richard was talking to me a while ago. Richard Berle was saying, Yeah, I got to get this medicine that's supposed to keep my Alzheimer down and this kind of stuff, whatever thing. And he said, I think that'll work good. I'm not sure. What was your name again? <laughs> I said, Hey, the good thing is we get to wrap our own Christmas presents. Don't <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's. Uh, Brother Jim Ernest, would you close us in prayer this morning, sir? Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to your house this morning. Thank you for the wonderful message that we had from Reverend and the the beautiful music that we were able to to provide today. We, We appreciate your guidance and all that. Most of all, Lord, as I stand behind two lovely young people that have devoted their lives to the Lord and who, again, want to affirm that that connection with him we thank you for them lord and we thank you for their leadership and what they've done for all of us in the church in your precious son's name we say amen